keeping that as our intro baby let's go episode i lost track i, I always say episode like whatever number yeah and then i always realize that we don't really keep track of episode numbers and then it makes the intro awkward but we wouldn't have it any other way yeah we know exa- we're just not saying we know exactly what yeah we know exactly what the f- one after with pride yeah yes the one after with pride that's like the title of like a friends episode yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah we're just gonna call this the one with tyler you know yeah, the one with Tyler. The Pride episode was such a seminal moment. Um, sorry to my, my endearing fans that I uh, was not present. I was yeah, working on a breaking news story. because Stephen doesn't support about, the LGBT About an community. interesting thing we could talk about. Did you um, read the story I wrote about... I mean, I didn't really write it. It wasn't really original reporting, but I was covering a similar reported uh, event. Like, 15 schools got, like, a crank call about school... Like, hyper like realistic school shooting threats and it was because of a tiktok challenge or something which is like terrifying and insane that was really it yeah like okay so this is what i have to imagine this is pure speculation but like you'd have to imagine that there there's some creep out there who live streams and like has a following and so like on the live stream he like showed them how to spoof calls and so like all these kids or adults or whatever are spoofing their phone call, spoofing their phone location and then calling in to 911 in the area saying, like, in room 108, I'm here with someone, like, they've been shot. Like, and, and so, like, every, like, 15 high schools or something, like, I think it was, like, 10, were, like, swarmed with cops and, like, nothing was there. And it was just, like, one big hoax. This is in South Carolina? Yeah, like, last wow. week. Well, During the Pride episode same day so that's why you were busy writing yeah, the story yeah. okay wow well starting it off with some great local yeah, news very happy uplifting content uh, <laughs> uh welcome to the episode everybody today we're going to be talking about andor with um our good friend tyler fedor and we'll be talking about daily our game fall break. yeah we'll be talking about our fall break we'll we'll cover some local arts stuff yeah um tyler how you doing I'm I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. It's been a been a decent week so far. We got fall break coming up, so I am very excited for that. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should be enjoying their break when this drops on Friday. So yeah. I hope hope you're spending your free weekend listening to us <laughs> scumbums talk yeah. about uh, TV Star Wars TV shows, but yep. and other important stuff. Yeah. We're really happy to have Tyler on. It's been a long time coming. Tyler is the arts and culture opinion editing managing editor. For the Daily Gamecock. That so, was the most roundabout way of saying that. Yeah, I, I got confused. Um, the criminal. Well, mastermind. you still thought Audrey was the engagement editor or something yeah, like that. That's so. right. I think we can all come to the conclusion that I'm just an idiot, and I've accepted that. I'm just not very smart. That's fine. That was a funny meme. It was. I just watched Audrey just stare at me the entire time because I was in y'all's corner, and I was just sitting there like. It's funny. Audrey wasn't even that upset. Well, she was a little upset, but not that <laughs> upset. You want you want to you want to hash this out, Stephen? Yeah, Audrey. Tell 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 Doctor Trainer how you feeling. I've been watching a lot of Frasier lately, yeah. so I've, I'm in a very like psychiatrist. Movie, I've been watching know. a lot of Sopranos, so it's almost a yeah. That's also thing. a therapy show, right? Yeah, the Cusimanos. <laughs> <laughs> What's the his annoying neighbor? 
Um, speaking of things we've been watching recently, I want to give a shout out to a, we'll hit some art stuff really quick before we get into Andor. Um, two weeks ago now, but still want to shout it out because it's a really cool movie. We, uh, Fiona from Arts and Culture did a review of 3,000 Years of Longing, which I saw in theaters and was good, but unfortunately mm-hmm. it only made like $4 million in 3,000 feet theaters or something. Right, so right. <laughs> Colossal Bomb, but George Miller, cool director. So yeah, cool check out guy. that review. Really total well total flip from Mad Max, yeah. yeah Mad Max to um a love of like mi- mystical love story. If if you've seen his, some of his non Mad Max stuff though, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Like he directed both Happy Feet movies. Oh wow! He directed. I didn't uh, know that. He was producer on the first Babe and directed the second one. Babe is so, a good movie, I will say. Talk yeah, about was, range. I mean, the movie was yeah. good, right? Three thousand years long. Oh yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, Fiona gave an A. I would give it like a a, a B plus, but. Yeah, I I could I would agree it was it was a good time. Idris Elba is really great. He's great. He's so yeah. great. I mean that movie Beast. I kept seeing trailers for it. <laughs> it's like the stupidest movie ever, but I want to watch it. Like Idris Elba sounds so compelling in the role, and yeah. it's like that movie looks awesome because of him. It actually did pretty well at the box office too. I need to see it. Yeah, isn't that the one where his daughter auditioned to play the daughter, and for some reason they just like did not. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It just said was a relation, or is that like actually what happened? Because no, I thought I'd seen that multiple times. No, that was a that was a story. Yeah, his daughter like applied to for the role of his daughter in the movie, and he was like, wow. "Sorry, honey, you're not right for the part." <laughs> like, <laughs> Sweetheart, you're not right. Yeah, that was like, a good impression. He has like a really absurdly deep voice that I'll never be able to. Yeah, mimic. I love. We can only wish. Yeah, he yeah. does. I will say, I. I love his parts when he does allow himself to, like, have his natural, like, accent. Oh, like, yeah. when he has to do the American accent, it's, like, not quite as fun as when he just gets to be British, yeah. you know? Yeah, And he is very British, is the thing. Yeah. Like, you can't be, like, a little British. Like, you know, that's what's funny about the American accents. Like, like um, That's why everybody wants him to play Bond. Too. Yeah. Honestly, I'd watch it. I think he'd be great. You know, like, there's, like, a thousand Marvel movies and, like, a yeah. thousand Bond. Like, yeah, it would be different, but, like... Why he could not do be like creative a, or something? I think, like, I mean, he's already, like, in his 50s, so that's why I don't think he they would make great, him. great, like, I think he'd be fine. But, like, if they want to do, like, a one-off, like how they did, like, that with Lazenby with On Her Majesty's Secret Service, they yeah. could do a one-off with Idris Elba or something or one of the older guys that people have been wanting to play him and then yeah. kind of then switch to a younger guy. I yeah. don't know. They should get weird with Bond. They should. Get weird it's with it. It's the next best thing. I mean, that's kind of what they did with Daniel Craig, and it worked so perfectly. Yeah. Well, Daniel Craig, they did a different thing, but... Only because they were having him like as a like a rookie agent in the first one, but then it yeah. was pretty standard. Like, I mean, he grew into the bond yeah. we know. Daniel Craig was actually kind of a weird bond because it, they took it so seriously. Yeah, like normally, like Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, like yeah. Bond is actually pretty silly. Yeah, like Connery and Daniel Craig are really the only like quote unquote serious ones, I yeah. guess. Maybe Timothy Dalton. I haven't seen those. No, movies, he's though. pretty silly. Yeah. Oh no, he's he's fine. I haven't seen many of them either, but. I've mostly seen the Connery ones, but but he, Tony Dalton's good. I think my introduction to Bond was probably Daniel Craig. I mean, I knew yeah. like the movies existed before. And I don't think I've ever seen one of the original or at least the older yeah. ones. I feel like everybody's favorite Bond is the Bond they grew up with. Yeah, you that's know? How it's like Craig is my favorite. But yeah, like, social bias. Come on. Yeah. Re- you know, seeing like Skyfall in the theater when I was like ten or whatever, like that shit oh, ripped. Yeah. So you know, I will say though, I genuinely think the Daniel Craig Bond movies are the best. But we could have a whole episode devoted to yeah. this. Let's move on. Yeah. But, if when they inevitably cast the new Bond, yeah, we'll have an yeah. episode. Didn't yeah. we already have a Bond episode? No. 
What, oh, we just saw the. We no saw time no time to together. together. Yeah, so it was basically a, with an episode, my group of like unrecorded. twelve like weird hodgepodge of film people I know. Yeah, when you used to steal our our movie points. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we can actually talk. We should talk about. <laughs> I think this. we talked about this before. But let's rehash. If we it. haven't, st- so I used to have. I'm now an AMC list a list member but uh-huh. i used to have the regal unlimited and whenever i would like take a bunch of friends to the movies i'd be like oh i'll buy the tickets or whatever um because none of you had regal unlimited passes or whatever um no, and you didn't. get extra bonus points if you had the unlimited pass so like i was like and well, the bonus points have... get you like free popcorn and like movie posters <laughs> and shit like that yeah but i because i would buy all the tickets i would have like 120 I would have yeah. like 120 dollars worth of points it's like 800 to buy a thing of popcorn and you would get like 16,000 for <laughs> each movie we'd go see oh, yeah because I'd invite 15 people or whatever you know yeah. and then the, the one time uh, I don't know why you found I think it was when I found we out because I downloaded the app and I started doing it yeah. myself and I was like wait a minute that bastard's been wait. taking my points <laughs> this whole time I think it's when we saw everything everywhere all at once yeah, yeah that you finally were, like confronted me about yeah. it <laughs> but you know what for a while I was living large there you know I, I honestly really want those movie posters They it's so childish of me but like like they have a Moon Age Daydream one um, yeah the new of, like, Bowie David doc. Bowie which looks like a poster it's like 60,000 points I got a Top Gun poster for free when I saw Maverick because I went on the early access preview. I'm like, I won't lie. I'm on the Monday or whatever. Because you know how they, there's steelbooks and stuff. I bought that. That steelbook <laughs> looked sick. Oh, uh, I, I need to get it. Top Gun. That was fun. No, that's, that's, that's the cool best movie of the year so far, in my opinion. I, yeah, I'd second that. Uh, you probably say everything. Yeah, I'd probably but... I'd say of the year. What, what else is there? I don't, I don't even remember. Batman. Bat- oh, I, I forgot, Batman I forgot about year. Batman. It's been a while. Ambulance, <laughs> which yeah, I love. I'd probably Elvis. say Ambulance is probably number one. You haven't uh, even seen no, it. No, I'm just Shut kidding. Um, I, yeah, I liked everything everywhere all at once. That was really good. Um, oh, actually, I have something about the Top Gun episode we did over the summer with Max. Yeah. So, like, I don't know why he didn't just do this, but I was like, Max, he's like, he wasn't that interested in seeing the movie. And I was like... But I want you to be on this episode, so just, like, go see it for me. He's like, all right, I'll go see it. And then, like, he pushed it, like, two days because he, like, couldn't go see it yet. And then we finally did it. And then, like, just, like, two weeks ago, it's been, like, three months since we recorded this episode. Just, like, two weeks ago, he told me that he just watched some, like, like 480p cam torrent on his laptop. And I was like, dude, that has to, that has to be the absolute worst way to watch Top Gun Maverick of all time. I would oh rather you watch it in good quality not, on your phone. Yeah. Like, not at all what Tom Cruise wanted. Not a camcorder <laughs> in the theater on a pirated website. <laughs> Christopher Nolan and Dave Lynch should hunt Max down yeah. and take him out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty, pretty... He could have just not seen it. It would have been better. You know what I mean? Like watch Just have me describe the movie to him yeah, for the whole podcast. Seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. He still said he liked it, but I was like, bro. You know, no I wonder say, you weren't that into it. Just for the record... I really, really enjoyed that movie, but it's, like, great movie. But, like, as a movie, like, it doesn't feel that special to me. It feels special because it's a great movie. But like, I'm not, ten years from now, I'm not going to be, like, Top Gun Maverick changed my life. You know what I mean? Like, Top Gun changed my life. 
I, Top Gun Maverick. I'll be honest. I went back and watched the. I saw Top Gun Maverick first. I did. I had not seen the OG Top Gun before going. I loved Top Gun Maverick when the original Top Gun. I thought original Top Gun was kind of yeah. I See, just I love how cheesy it is, and it's like. The I mean, Top Gun Maverick is also ever. cheesy though. Yeah, but it's like in a <laughs> we take ourselves seriously with cheesy. Like it's like Top Gun is like literally the most over the top, ridiculous, like slightly like in love with like males like men loving men like yeah. it's it's like so like so like ridiculous i have it's to why say i love it so much i have like so much nostalgia for the original top yeah, gun every scene in that movie is nostalgic. despite despite that i still like top gun maverick better because wow. it is just by far the better movie and i love tony scott too i watched a tony scott movie last night his first movie his sec his second movie was top gun that was his second directorial feature which is just crazy that is pretty impressive and his actually. first movie is called the hunger starring david bowie and it's about vampires what? and david oh, i think i do know this and movie. i won't spoil it but let's just say that like that movie is about women loving women and then <laughs> top gun is about men loving men so tony <laughs> yeah, scott really was just like he, he was his... his first two movies he was exploring all all <laughs> all areas of the sexuality spectrum um pretty pretty early on <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, and that the hunger too. Like that's his first fucking feature. It looks just as good as like Top Gun visually. Like it yeah. is. He was an absolute master. Speaking of David Bowie, I am really fucking excited for that Moonage Daydream documentary. It's playing at the Nick. Go see it. I know. I'm gonna. Yeah. That looks awesome. My mom said it was really good. I love Shout David Bowie. Mom. He's one of the best. You don't like David Bowie? No, I love David. He's Bowie. no David David Baron to you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have a more personal like affection for David Byrne and Talking Heads, but, like, mm -hmm. I mean, if I had to say who the better artist was or whatever, like, yeah, probably David Bowie. Yeah. But, I mean... I've never seen something at the Nick before I... I don't think I've ever... I've always walked past it, going down Main Street, never been inside of it, though. Always heard about it, always heard the name thrown around, I've never seen it. Before. I am really spoiled by the damn reclining chairs at AMC. Yeah. I love the Nick. You should go, Tyler. But it is a little, you know, my back gets a little sweaty after a while. Like, <laughs> damn, up my chairs. You mean the leather in, yeah. in Regal doesn't no, no. get you sweaty? No, because it's like ice cold in those days. Perfect in those days. Yeah. It's a dream being in those Dude, theaters. the reason I had so much fun at Ambulance is because I brought an edible, a blanket, and uh, <laughs> Cheez-Its. You brought the edible with you? Well, yeah. Why didn't you I just want... eat it before? Well, like, because I didn't want to uh, drive high. Oh. Well, how did you get home? Somebody else drove. Okay. <laughs> so you could have taken the edible then. Yeah, I guess I could have then. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Well, I didn't, like, take it with me into the theater. I probably ate it before I went in or something. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, does it matter? No. Doesn't the, matter. What matters is ambulance fucking rocks. I had a blanket and cheese that's in an edible, and it was amazing. Yeah. Anyways. That sounds fun. That's That's been our year in movie going, I guess. We just yeah. recapped the whole everything for you um, <laughs> we just recap the same takes every yeah we love christopher nolan <laughs> he's great <laughs> oh wait i gotta send you my wes anderson video essay okay oh cool yeah go watch noah's video essays they're really yeah. good a little self-promotion here go check out um noah trainer on youtube just look that up you'll probably find me mb trainer something like that yeah i've made two video essays i decided i'm gonna be a YouTube film bro now. So, uh. You basically already were. You're just really completing the final stroke yeah, of well, evolution. Yeah. Right. I mean, was I really, though, if I wasn't actually ever putting anything out? I would just, would always just say, um, you know. Yeah, but you were on Letterboxd regularly. So right. it was basically yeah. the same. Okay. All right. Now you're just the final form of it. 
Speaking of things we watched and loved yeah. this year, our main topic today, Andor, Star yeah. Wars. A star is it like the a Star Wars story like Rogue One or is it just just I think Andor? It's just Andor. Okay. Whatever yeah. cheesy simple marketing thing they can slap on as much merchandise as possible. Yeah. Just the one word is all they need. I f- I love it though. Might I just say right off the bat there, I really really enjoyed it. Yeah. You this... didn't enjoy it? No, I do. So this this show for those of you who don't yeah. know, if you're listening to this episode, is a new Star Wars show that premiered a couple weeks ago on Disney Plus. Um, by the time this episode, you're listening to this, episode six will be out. We've watched up to five. Um, six is coming out tomorrow as a recording, I believe. Um, directed, or not directed, created and written by Tony Gilroy of Michael Clayton. Oh! Um, which is like one of me and Steven's yeah. like sacred texts, I think. Yeah! So, yeah, awesome fucking George Clooney movie where he plays a fixer. One of his best. So good. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like. Saul Goodman before Saul Goodman existed. Like, basically. Honestly, it yeah. does have a lot of that, like the the symbolism yeah. and the poetry of it's it. It's more like corp corporate law yeah. than what. Yeah, uh, yeah better you, call you can Saul like is, Michael Clayton a little bit more than Saul too. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, but I just have to say, this show is probably like the best thing Star Wars since Force Awakens. Rogue One, maybe I don't know. Rogue One was good. I, I love Rogue One. Rogue One is probably. I would say. Yeah, Force Awakens was good, you know. Let's leave the, the that three out of the set. Let's not make any comparisons there, because <laughs> that's, like, a whole mind trap of its own. But as far as, like, all things spinoff, season one of Mandalorian is perfect. It's like a, But even then, it's, like, baby, goo-goo-gaga, fun, happy time. You know what I mean? Like, there's literally a yeah. baby as a main character. I you wouldn't I say mean? that, like, there's just a different type of storytelling that Andor is going for that yeah. I think is really yeah. cool. Um, and it's like real cinema too. Like it has like That's what I'm liking to start I'm starting to see that from a lot of other, not just Star Wars as well but I think I'm mainly noticing it in Star Wars and I could just because I watched the last episode literally less than 24 hours ago. But <laughs> I like how we're taking like these aren't just like everyone knows Star Wars. You got like Darth Vader, you got your Skywalkers, you got like the Empire Rebellion but now it's like it's not just Star Wars. It's something set in the Star Wars universe. Like, completely different tone, completely different story. Obviously, we've all seen Andor before, but overall, they're pretty new. I mean, Mon Mothma's also in there, but, like, who knows? But I th- I like that it's different types of stories within a universe we're already, like, well-acquainted with. Yeah. Like, it's not just Skywalkers anymore. You have, like, these different little... Uh, and, like, that first episode, too, like, set that tone of just him oh just... Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I mean, he just, like, offs two dudes in an alleyway. Yeah. Kind of, like, I literally, like, like was like, oh, when, when that I, happened. When I, when I watched that, I tweeted, like, is... I tweeted, quote, like, is Star Wars back, question mark, and or just opened with a double homicide and <laughs> Michael Mann-esque lighting. Like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. Is this and show this good? A guy escapes a brothel <laughs> to kill the two security guards who are, at, like, trying to rough him up. Like that that's a pretty deep show. You know yeah. what I mean? It's I, I don't even like I think it's definitely easy to get caught up in like the oh the show is great because it's like finally Star Wars is going dark or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But like I think it's the attention to detail that like really yeah. makes us stand out. Like, you know, Mandalorian, which I love season one, season two's like good but not great. Yeah. And I think that but it's still shot with like 
stagecraft technology right. where they have like the, the screens in the background projecting the environments yeah. and everything like and you can still... see like there's a frame in Mandalorian where you can see like the wooden frame of the corner of the set like the camera was too far back and you can see like the behind the scenes yeah, like, yeah I, re- I remember and, distinctively and I just something like it never it feels kind of small in the way that like you know the original trilogy like kind of feels yeah. small but yeah. like by doing that with CGI, it just feels like really whatever. Like at mm-hmm. least the original trilogy is practical. So I think that like Mandalorian and a lot of these other like shows that they've made, especially Boba Fett, yeah. they feel like the production quality of the prequels. Right. You know? Right. And they're just they're very like simple in their storytelling. Even Obi Wan kind of felt like that where you're just like yeah. it just felt inert. Yeah. And Andor just has so much momentum because, like, everything you see in the show is, like, clearly something they fucking feel. The entire... So what? I watched six episodes. I watched them all last night. So, like, six hours. Every time I saw any sort of cutscene, you know, camera movement, anything that wasn't just, like, clear on the face and dialogue, and even then, all I could hear in my head was Noah saying, lived in live like it's a cliche but it's true it's 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 beautifully lived in the set is perfect because you can tell that one of of the things that you can instantly tell which tv is notorious for like the camera just they just put it down on tripod and they just shoot it and then they especially with these you know sci-fi shows with a lot of cgi they just fill it all in later mm -hmm. like this is clearly a show where they built a whole freaking town for them to run around and yeah. that looked like Star Wars land or whatever. Yeah. And then they were actually able to like take the camera and move through that town. Right. You know, it's right. not, they didn't just have to like put it on a, like a little tiny little dolly and move it back so that the screen in the background projecting the images is still like in focus, you know, like yeah. they are able to actually, it feels so much more organic when you're able to do that because like it's the sitcom thing where your characters don't actually physically move that much. And a lot of a lot of this is not just a TV problem. A lot of movies are shot like that nowadays. Yeah. Like you know, for how visceral like Marvel movies are, how much action there is. Like any time that it's not like complete CGI them flying through the air, like they're just standing still. They're always standing still, right. you know, because they have to the way the special effects work. So like the fact that they actually took the time to fully create this like you know back deal backwater like special ops like mm-hmm. side of star wars and actually make that feel just as real and it's beautiful as the original yeah, trilogy yeah. yeah it looks just like such a nice show too i mean yeah. i mean we were talking about you were talking about what your lighting with the michael mann lighting <laughs> yeah. and it, everything kind of just looks different i mean and they even they're teasing this like whole again like spoilers they're teasing this whole like meteor show like come on there's no way you don't talk about that oh, oh sure. yeah i'm excited like for a, that like an episode like it just I don't know. I like when they really do pay attention to the details, like you were saying, because it makes feel real. Love yeah. that phrase, lived in. Yeah. But it also just feels more intimate. Like, there's more impact, really. Like, yeah. I, I think sometimes I walk out of a movie or I walk out of a show and I go, okay, that was good. Yeah. Watch that. But, like, I think, like, with this, I'm kind of sitting there like, ooh, boy, I cannot. Yeah. Like, I want to see what happens next. Like, I know. Ooh, what's going what's gonna to go down? When that last episode ended before the heist, I was like, oh, is this serious? Like, I thought this was all out. Like, <laughs> I, the yeah. I want the heist. Yeah. Right. I, th- I really like the way that I think there's one scene that's emblematic of everything I love about the show. And me just describing what happens in this scene I think would be better than me like trying to come up with the words to describe its cinematic qualities. It's when 
they're walking on the cliff face, like on in the grass or whatever. And anytime that you just like, you can just like in the background for like 30 seconds, you'll start to hear a word. It's like, and then like, as after about 30 seconds to a minute of that, one of the characters, they'll just like, their face will fucking drop, like look terrified. And then they're like, they all look around and they're like, oh shit, it's a TIE fighter. And they all go fucking scrambling yeah. like 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 worms or something, you know? Like in the garden or like ants. Or, yeah. They scramble like ants. And when the TIE fighter actually comes through, I mean, I had my TV turned up pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> it is fucking scary. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. like that, yeah, that was horrifying. I have a sound bar and it was also up pretty loud. So I, I ran to like turn it down because it was kind of lasting for me. Yeah. I was like, yeah. my neighbors are going to start like... <laughs> they actually like use that shit to make it feel special. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you actually feel like that is a big scary thing flying through there the fact that they're able to take these things that we're like familiar with and recontextualize them yeah it's just it's it's the master stroke of the show what's also that's such a good point this is just such a tiny thing i noticed but like when you were talking about them like going into covering everything up are they just still using ak's in the star wars universe did anyone else like notice <laughs> i did that see or, that like, <laughs> yeah i don't know that's crazy no but it's a good they took point. some props from the set of Zero Dark Thirty, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, yeah. oh, these will do. This painted black. Uh, put some gray on the tip. No, th- that's a good point, though. And I was thinking about that. Um, you know, like, everything is so rich, and, and that even goes into the props and the, this, you know, costuming. And, and the, like, you know, it goes beyond the sets. And, and that was something I kept thinking about as I was watching the show. Like, you know, it really does a good job of, like, you know, it, it's creating a reality that's, like, you know, obviously it's fictional, but it's also believable. Like, I, I kept making this joke. I was watching with Audrey, and I was like, oh, look, Star Wars hoodie. Because, like, a couple of the guys just had, like, hoodies on, you know, and they're beautifully cut, and, like, they look like they're from, you know, it doesn't, like, take you out of the scene because it's, like, uh, a hoodie, but it's, like, yeah, like, of course they'd have, like, an AK, you know, or, like, a hoodie. Like, you know, it's just a smart piece of, you know, like, design. Like, but, you know, it's, like, again, it's just, like, another small way that the show makes it feel so you know, realistic and, and not just like, like this person has a completely shiny suit and they always wear their suit at all times and they never change their <laughs> outfit. And I, like their suit his, is perfect. Um, his first outfit when he first like kind of jumps town, like it literally just looks like he's wearing like a vest and jeans and a t-shirt. And yeah. like Cassie and I was like, that's the most like normal looking Star Wars outfit. And it looks I've great seen, like, though. It does. Yeah. It looks so nice. Like I was kind of like, dang, I want that. Yeah. Like, I, I wear that, yeah. yeah. I also love that it, there's absolutely no hand-holding in this show. Oh, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like, I there are legitimately some parts where, like, I was a little bit confused as to what the greater plot going on yeah. with Stellan Skarsgård and Mon Mothma yeah, is. Yeah, uh, uh, Skarsgård kills it. Yes. He's so good. But, like, am I totally understanding everything they're talking about? Like, in the Imperial Room when they're talking about, like, the security details and, like, yeah. sectors and everything? Like, I don't totally understand all that yet. But that's okay. Like yeah. if they're not, they're not. There is literally zero exposition. They are just throwing like straight, like jargon at you the entire time and expecting you to figure it out. Yeah. It's like, it's a much more, you know. I'm not. I'm not like stupid. Like I can figure it out. Yeah. Like it's. It's still Star. And, and it's still you like Star know Wars, the lore you know? too a little bit. Yeah, it's still Star Wars, so it's not going to make it too obtuse that like you know kid can follow along. But there's just that like little extra bit of, um, you know. I think it's just like detail. I mean, like, like you're listening to it, and like, like you said, like you're not gonna get it all, but you can tell that they're doing something that's important. And again, I yeah. think that's like the world building, right. especially in like all those things that come together that make it feel like a real yet fictional like universe. Like there's stuff happening outside of like 
this story that is taking place, but our focus is still on like this small piece of it. And so I think and really Star Wars leans so heavily on the past things. I really admire that the show is not just like every character is a recycled character from a background episode of, you know, like it's all original. Like, yes, Cassian, you were saying this, like, yeah, there's a handful of, you know, re like redos and, and new characters, but it's like, you know, they, they really like the Skarsgård guy, like brilliant that they brought someone like that in. And it's like, you know, he does such a good job. And like, like the, that scene where he's yelling at um, the like leader or whatever, I forget her name. Uh -huh. And it's like, it, that, it's such an emotional scene and it's like it's so compelling and like rich and, and both their acting is so like their back and forth is great and, and that scene where he, where he finally gets really angry is like right. I was like whoa and he doesn't hmm. like I, I feel like if this was The Mandalorian or Clone Wars or the prequels there would be a line where it's like oh this is her and she's the leader of our rebellion blah yeah. blah blah it's just not like yeah. everything is unspoken you just infer that based on the way they're speaking to each other, you know, right. what her role is in relation to him. Like I said, it's very adult screenwriting. Yeah. And it's adult screenwriting, but not in a way that, like I said, is not obtuse to the kids watching it. It's just, it's much more trusting in the audience than a lot of mainstream stuff is nowadays. Yeah. It kind of, it lets you, you know, understand the emotions and the dynamics just by how the characters act, how the actors act. Oh, and you mentioned Skarsgård. Yeah. I don't know how he hasn't been in a Star Wars thing up to this point. I know. I, had, I was thinking so the same perfect. thing. Yeah. I, I almost saw him and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that character. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I don't actually. But doesn't he just look like he should yeah. have been a guy in the background as a senator during the prequels? Like, 100%. 100%. <laughs> or on the Jedi Council or something. like. And like the way he talks and like <laughs> everything. I mean, I guess he was in Dune. So it was like, yeah. you know, he, he is in those types Although of Although Dune, he's not really recognizable he's no. as Baron Von Harkin. Well, I would <laughs> say his most recognizable quality is his voice. He is in um, the Marvel stuff, though, right? Oh, uh, yeah. He he's kinda, the Thor guy. He's a side character. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. remember the character's name. I don't think he's been in any recent movies. He's the the scientist, right, that yeah. Thor works with, mm -hmm. like Natalie Portman? Yeah, Natalie Portman's, like, mentor or whatever. Wait, doesn't he have a cameo in Love and Thunder? Maybe, I don't Oh, Maybe. yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember. Maybe not. I thought yeah. he did. It's kind of weird that they brought Natalie Portman back for that, and then immediately spoilers yeah. if you haven't seen it. <laughs> killed her yeah, off what again. What did you think of that movie? <laughs> On a quick tangent. Quick just tangent. a quick Noah review. Five, five words or less. Um, boring and unsuccessful. <laughs> okay. I thought it was fun, and I laughed. But there was no movie there. It was just like, it was like substanceless. Yeah, it's kind of like dumb fun. Yeah. That's kind of how I'll put it. Yeah, like like the music was fun. The colors were, it's like fun color. It's like candy bar, you know, it's popcorn. Yeah. Which is, oh, I guess, all we can expect from Marvel. So. But it it doesn't even succeed at that, though, because it just looks like such dog shit. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. <laughs> I have to, I have to send you this, okay. I have to send you this video. There's this channel, um... This is not paid advertising. Uh, there's this YouTube channel called Royal Ocean Film Society, and they do, like, really great, like, video essays, the kind of thing that I tried to do on my channel. But they're they're much more, like, you know, not just analyzing scenes. They're talking about, like, kind of bigger ideas within the film industry. And their latest video, The Visual Effects Crisis, is a really good deep dive into why so many of, like, these big-budget CGI movies are, A, not looking as good as they should, and, B, why... 
the studios, the visual effects houses that make them are all going bankrupt despite the fact that there's more CGI movies being made than ever. You'd think they have more business, but it's actually what's tanking them. Anyways, go check that out because it explains a lot of why kind of movies look like that. And um, I'm really hoping that they take the right lessons from Andor, which, of course, has a ton of visual effects shots in it. You know, there's right, inevitably. no duh. It's a Star Wars show. But, like, you definitely feel like they did the work beforehand rather than after. Yeah. You know? And that probably will help alleviate some of those issues you know if they're able to make more stuff like that because ultimately shooting on location or building a set probably costs just as much if not less than doing everything in digital effects and post you just have to be committed to your story when you're actually shooting it because you can't go back and change it later yeah but that's how we made movies for 100 years yeah so it's like in tv too you know yeah so i'm really hoping that they take Disney and whoever else takes the right lessons from Andor and goes, if we just hire like the really Real. talented people to conceptualize this from the start, we don't have to shoot it in a way where we go back and change everything later. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of wild. Just sorry to go back to the um, the whole film or just the issue with the VFX thing, but all the stories that came out with Marvel and whatnot and literally having to go back and be like, eh, I don't like this, or oh, we need to do this. And it's kind of like, damn, I'd hate to yeah. be that poor animator sitting there like, yeah, there was a video in that highlighted in that larger video that I'm talking about where it's like one of those like Vanity Fair like director interviews. I don't know if it was Vanity Fair, but it was like 100 questions from the web or something like mm-hmm. that with Taika Waititi and Tessa Thompson. Um, Did you hear that he had like a weird like throuple with a like girlfriend and Tessa Thompson? Uh, no, like but let crisis. me finish my story okay. first and then we can talk about it. That's <laughs> not like, like <laughs> gossip either. That's like a very big like recurring thing he's addressed. But go on, go on. We'll come back to that. But he was, the two of them in this video were just like going through the movie and like making fun of bad CGI shots or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, I don't know what the visual effects artists did on that one. I, I don't have a lot of control over that department or whatever. And then we're just like crapping on it. It's like, no wonder yeah. there's a big problem in the industry. The directors don't even know how the visual effects work. It's like because you don't care or they don't put in the time yeah. or the you know they ask for so many things changed last minute. It's ridiculous. So the thruple. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, well, just to finish out that point, like the th- thruple distracted him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> don't worry, darling situation. You know. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> you can totally see that. And I mean, I don't know. Again, go see movies like everything. Everywhere all at once. Like, yeah, which only yeah. have like 20 visual effects yeah. artists compared to the 4,000 that work on like a Marvel movie, you know. Yeah. And that movie looks freaking great. Yeah, it looks amazing. Um, or even Andor is a good example. Like practical effects are still usually better if you have the budget, you know. Yeah. Or just subtlety is always the way to go. Subtlety we were talking, and planning. We were talking earlier about um, Mad Max Fury Road because yeah. George, George Miller. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect example of it. I mean, like, like unforgettable like like you know record setting for like you know right. it's a lot it's very maximalist of course it's miller but like it's still sort of like feels subtle you know and this is not necessarily to say that digital effects are bad because if you think about like fincher movies which like yeah. you know they don't have a lot of like action scenes but like every single scene like in gone girl is like pretty much digitally altered in some way like he goes absolutely ham with the digital effects but he has a long post-production process and he actually knows how to use them in a way that benefits the film yeah. and a way that is, you know, understood by the people actually 
you know, executing them. You know, he's mm-hmm. very smart and intentional about his use of that stuff. And so. Gone Girl is just not that good of a movie either. So it's like. <laughs> I mean, do, do you want me to Zodiac, Social Network, Man, uh, Mindhunter, no, all I'm, those, I'm all those apply to my point. But anyways, no, I, I love that. I, we just have to bring up Gone Girl every episode at least once. <laughs> yeah, no. But as far as the throuple thing, though, I, I read this. You can Google it. There's this like all these pictures yeah. of like Tekwa Titi with like like a girl in each arm, and he's like all three of them are kissing, and like it was like a recurring thing, and he was like, yeah. Like, one time, on, it was, like, an Instagram Live or something, and he was like, yeah, I do this. Like, what's the big deal? And then, like, <laughs> D- Disney made him, like, issue a public apology, and then he, like, always, like, gets asked about it in interviews. It's, it's you know, he did it. So. Wow. I mean, I, I think he's awesome. I, I love um I love his work. I love that movie. Um, I forget what it's called. The Vampire Movie? Uh, what We Do in the Shadows? What We Do in the Shadows is good. Yeah. Oh, you mean Hunt for the Wilder People? Yeah, Hunt for I haven't the, seen that. That yet. is a really great movie. You should watch it. Really sweet, cute little movie. I might, I might give it a couple of years. I've, I'm kind of, I got tight. Yeah, I'm with I know, out. I know. Yeah, yeah, got a little watied. It, it happens. I, honestly, I Free Guy that. really did it for me. Okay. Oh lord, his performance of Free Guy. That. I don't want to think about that. Oh my god. I don't think any. I don't think anything. Any movie would summarize all the problems we just listed with the modern movie industry more than free guy <laughs> god I, I like i don't even want to be like a, a, a movie fan after <laughs> i don't want to go to a movie theater anymore that was like a funnel cake was a movie probably like <laughs> funnel cakes two. are better than that movie it's like it's like someone gave a toddler like 20 million dollars and was like okay what next what happens next <laughs> wait that's basically the movie blank check yeah <laughs> yeah Exactly. That's yeah. pretty spot on. That movie's actually there. really creepy. Because he, like, makes out with, like, a 30-year-old woman or something in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you love licorice pizza, so it shouldn't <laughs> be that creepy for you. Okay, a 7-year-old making out with a 30-year-old <laughs> and a 15-year-old kissing a 25-year-old for, like, 10 seconds. I knew more about licorice pizza, but hearing that other part kind of freaking out a little bit. What in the world? <laughs> nah, licorice pizza's chill. Best movie of last year. No, I, I agree with that. Honestly, I was just thinking about, like, you know, I, I always think about this because, like, I watch Mad Men. But, like, are the 70s, like, a trend right now? Or are they just a timeless, like, iconic time? Or are they just generally so, like, they transcend their own, like, iconic look to where they're just sort of a classic, like, un, un indelible style and, and, like, period of time? I mean, you know? I think the 70s show up a lot in stuff just because they're an indelible time, but sort of the 60s, sort of the 50s, sort of mm-hmm. the 80s. And it just, once, like the nostalgia cycle, I would say the last 10 years has been, I wouldn't say it was 70s focused. Yeah, there's a lot of like 70s themed stuff, but it was more the last 10 years were 80s revival. Yeah. The early 2000s were probably more of the 70s revival. It's like, it, t- it kind of takes 30 years. There's like a whole like academic paper or something that I read on this Send and I watched me. a video about because like there's the idea of the nostalgia cycle, which is every 30 mm-hmm. years, the people who grew up on a thing now have the means to produce art at mm-hmm. a high professional public level. Mm-hmm. So their childhood experiences are now reflected in the stuff that we watch. 
you think about like the Duffer Brothers and Stranger Things, they grew up on Stephen King and Spielberg. And yeah. what did they do? They made a show that was all homage <laughs> to Stephen King and yeah. Spielberg. You know, so yeah. it's like, it's it's just it's a history repeating itself. You just have to wait for the people who grew up with the thing to. So what are what is it grow what, like? Their... What are we going to be writing about? Like Nintendo DSs and like. I mean, I you're. Know. I it, feel like our our childhood was unspecial comparatively. Well, part of it too is that it's completely sped up. You know, because of how, because of the internet and mm-hmm. the fact that, like, you know, you don't need a film camera and a hundred million dollar budget to create the art that reproduces the thing from your childhood. Now you can do it with your phone. Yeah. And you can do it from the age of like eight. So, I mean, think about how, like, during the pandemic, everybody was like, oh my God, I have so much nostalgia for, like, when me and my friends would play Minecraft growing up or whatever. Minecraft came out less than 15 years ago, and we were already, <laughs> yeah. like, in the third wave of nostalgia revive Minecraft revival, you right. know, yeah. normally it would take 30 years to get to the first revival of that. And it took like five for people to have this rose tinted view of it. Not that it wasn't fun at the time, but your mind like fills in a lot of the blanks to make it seem better than it was always. Yeah. But it just hits a different part of your brain. And this is, this is the entire, remember that article I wrote about like, uh, superheroes mm-hmm, and Disney selling our nostalgia back to oh, us. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. That it's like, it's that's the entire, that's what, what we just described, what I just described the nostalgia cycle. That is a hundred, what a hundred percent of popular media relies on now. They just expect that you know and already love the thing that they're giving to you. And the great thing about Andor, to tie this all back, is they don't give a shit about any of that. Yeah. And they're just telling a story about a guy who wants to fight some evil empire and they're just doing that the best they can and yes they're using iconography from when you're little but that is not why the show works yeah you know if you take for example something like the gray man sorry i'm going on a huge this is turning into a noah essay no i I like but like think about like the gray man in the russo brothers and how well the russo brothers executed like avengers infinity war and avengers endgame if you watch those movies and then you watch the gray man the comedy style the style of shooting the style of action set piece is actually not that different but the reason why avengers endgame works and the gray man doesn't is because avengers endgame is relying on your emotions of you know 30 plus years or 10 plus years of living with these characters basically every single day whereas the gray man is a completely new thing and those storytelling principles that can pay off 10 years of build-up can't pay off in two a two-hour movie where nothing really happens. But the problem is we're getting to the point now where we don't even know how to set up the thing in the first place. Like, you can't get to Avengers Endgame without having Iron Man. Yeah. Now, it was funny seeing every, like, when these, uh, after Endgame came out, and obviously we have to, like, start from scratch. You got, like, start from new people. People were complaining, like, oh, like, what's going on? None of this is, like, connecting. And I was like, welcome back to, like, 2008. Yeah. Tyler was just going, yeah. like, ooh, Iron Man. Like, we didn't know what was going to happen. I agree. I kind of, I wanted them to slow down. I was like, after Endgame, like, take, like, five years off. Do absolutely nothing, and then bring it back with, like, not all new characters, but mostly new characters. But I do think what I'm trying to say is that, like, while they did try to take it slow and a lot of the stuff wasn't, you know, people were like, what is this building to with um, some of the newer Marvel movies? The problem is that those individual stories themselves weren't told well. They were told, like phase three Marvel movies, but without it actually being a setup for anything. Like they felt like they were 
being a setup, but they weren't actually setting up anything, but they were still told like a story that is intended to just exist to set something up. I wonder to yeah. tie it back to Andor. Do we think Star Wars is gonna, ever going to do anything like that again? Like, do we think we're ever going to get... Because, like, we have all these, like, shows now coming out, and they're still about Mandalorian. And Mandalorian's clearly, like, the spine of, like, the TV universe. Do yeah. we ever think we're going to get some Avengers for, like, Star Wars or something? Or I mean, I hope it's not that kind of, like... You mean, like, total fan service, where they just... Maybe not total, but I guess the function I guess the function of just, like, a bunch of characters, oh, mainly, yeah. like, stories kind of, like, come together like that? Or do yeah. we just think they're kind of, like, more Star Wars content, more Star Wars content, more Star Wars content, but, like, like still good Star Wars content? Building, a, like, a, a product of pieces of movies that ultimately lead to a bigger movie release? Yeah, because I feel like they teased that with Mandalorian, but I don't know, right yeah. now it just doesn't seem... They kind of... I'm not complaining, like, they're good stuff. It just, I don't know. Well, I think I think Star Wars already has that built, so it's like it's kind of hard to compare because it's like, you know, like they Star Wars has a little bit more of a foundation than Marvel has. Like, Mar- Marvel's foundation is more is momentum and and on and on and on and a movie every year versus Star Wars is like it has a core, you know, like root that you build off of. So yeah, it already I, has that established. I think. It's just two different types of storytelling. Yeah. Like, I think part of the problem with a lot of the, with the other Star Wars TV shows, Mandalorian a little bit, Boba Fett definitely, is that it kind of felt like they're doing the Marvel storytelling where everything's crossing over all the time. And yeah. Yeah. You're kind of using your knowledge of the other properties to make that show better. Whereas yeah. Andor doesn't feel like that. And I think that's why it feels more, quote unquote, Star Wars to mm-hmm. me. Because Marvel has 100 years of comics to build off where all these characters in the comics are always interacting and crossing over, and that's kind of the world that they exist in. Mm-hmm. Star Wars has never been that. Star Wars was a creation all in George Lucas's head that he only ever intended to be, at the start, one movie that then just kind of organically grew over time. But it's never been, like, this thing where you had, like, you know, solo Star Wars movies for all these different characters that then came together. You know, that was never mm-hmm. how it was structured. And I think... I mean, they could do something like that, but I don't think it would really work. And if they were to do it, I think they would need to focus more on movies because especially TV, it's so easy to fall behind. And I think that is a problem with the Marvel TV shows. Mm-hmm. It's, it's impossible to stay on top of everything. Like yeah, you I mean, can I've even, up. oh my God, yeah, I thought, you know, even though I'm ashamed to say it, I, I fought to watch everything I could, but I've just given up. Like, I don't even know what's going on with those shows right now. The only reason I even have watched, I think... The most I've watched Marvel TV show wise are maybe like Moon Knight and Loki, and the only reason I watch those is because me and my friends would like get together and we'd like blaze through them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I haven't been able to like I haven't watched a single episode of She Hulk. Um, yeah, me neither. Werewolf by Night, I haven't seen any. I kind of want to see that. that. Is, that looks good. Yeah. It's directed by Michael Giacchino. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I like <laughs> had to read it a few times. I was like, oh, okay, he did the music for it. Is the way directed? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was also I was yeah. like, doesn't this dude do every, does everyone's I really like, like that actor who's the... Gail Garcia Bernal. Yeah. Yeah. He but, was in uh, Old. I know. Good movie. He was in a lot of stuff. There's a movie I've always... Uh, I, I don't think we've ever talked about this movie. It's called The Kindergarten Teacher. I'm pretty sure it's a Netflix original. <gasps> With you, Arnold? No, uh, that's Kindergarten Cop. Ah, darn. I, no, <laughs> no. It is not a Schwarzenegger <laughs> cop... Uh, cop fun kid uh, movie, you know. That, my brain just went, boom, I was like, another one. It's, um, it's, Maggie Gyllenhaal plays this, it's like one of the slowest, quietest movies ever. It's just like a really, like, you know, soft art house movie, a very simple idea of just like, 
this like first grade teacher, one of her students is just like really good at poetry. And so she like kind of just goes like, it's a, maybe a little pedophilic. I don't think it, it's nothing sexual about it, but she like, well, basically she like abducts the Well, there the is kid. the show The Teacher starring Kate Mara where that does happen. Well, God. <laughs> I yeah. remember during the pandemic, my mom was watching that and I was like, oh mom, God. why are you watching this? And she's like, it's pandemic brain. You gotta give me a break. <laughs> yeah. She gets a pass. She it's a really a good pass. movie though and he's in it. He plays like her like therapist. Yeah. Um, that's a really fun Gail Garcia Bernal. He's cool. Isn't he in, um, what's that famous movie, uh, like Itu Mama Tembian? Is that him? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he's in a lot of Spanish stuff. Also, Diego Luna started. I know, that's what I was thinking. He's also yeah. in a lot of, uh, you know, good for them. They're films. both great. Yeah. I saw Diego Luna has an executive producer credit on Andor. Oh, well, no wonder it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's like a real actor. Like, I think, you know, I was watching this oh, thing totally. is, yeah. is his um. Well, they brought they brought in like this was shot in England, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, so they it were just like it. just they just brought in all the ringers, you know, because yeah. they like they fly in Diego Luna and then in Stellan Skarsgård and then everybody else is just like a really famous British actor, which I love getting back to there being just an absurd amount of British <laughs> actors in Star Wars because yeah. the original trilogy, like yeah. outside of uh, Luke Han and. Leia, like everybody else in it is British pretty much. Yeah, I love so, that phenomenon. <laughs> I love more British people in like, Star Wars. When you're an, when you're like a alien human, a space human, you're just inherently British. <laughs> yeah. I think it makes sense. Basically, right. Exactly. Yeah. It is interesting, like like the nostalgia thing we were talking about of, of like how like you know, like um something like a British accent can kind of be recycled like that and, and like you, was like you know, like James Bond, especially like, you know, it's almost like there's like a cultural identity behind like being British and British accents that are not. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about like American, like you know, styles. Yeah, American accent has uh, has yeah. culture. Have you ever seen uh, Benedict Cumberbatch try to imitate it oh, in uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange? Oh my it's not God. easy to do, Stephen. Don't take it for granted. Bring Doctor Strange. Oh, it's you're, you're sorcerers. <laughs> he like talks like so like forcefully. I know so that no, his accent tail doesn't come out as yeah. he talks. Did you ever drop that in the other movies? I don't remember. <laughs> the only one I remember is Multiverse of Madness, and that's because I enjoyed that one the most. Yeah, that was a good movie. No, Multiverse it, of Madness is good. Yeah, his, his American accent sucks. Yeah, I I like oh. it was a laughable one, especially because it has to be New York too. Yeah, it's like, it's oh the worst. god. That's oh weird. wait, hold on. Okay, we got ten minutes left. We have to talk about the biggest news of the week. Okay. What is that? The Super Mario movie trailer. Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> I, I was thinking the exact same thing last week. I was like, I was like this is going to come up on the screen. So, speaking of this. bad accents, yeah. Mushroom Kingdom, here we it's come. It's not even an accent. It's just that voice. Like, yeah, there's he, nothing special about it. He's just, like, saying some words with, like, an Italian, New York, <laughs> Italian accent. Yeah, he's doing, like, the, he's doing the gabagoo. Like, yeah. he's doing yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's like, that's not what Mario sounds like. Oh my gosh! I don't even know what else I expected they from just, that though. Like they should just have the guy from the games voice him. The guy from the games who voices Mario is it has a cameo in the movie. So like if you already have him on set, just have make no, him do the voice. The movie wouldn't have sold if they had, you know, if the movie's not just slapped together by Hollywood names. Yeah, I, I don't know what to even think about that movie. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't know to what degree of like, you know, devastating depression it should it give me. You know, like. Is there any hope for the movie? Is oh, this... okay. I actually think the movie's going to be good, though. That's what I'm, like, mentally preparing for. It's like, what if for some weird reason this is, like, blockbuster? This is, like, greatest movie of the it's fall. It's going to be like, big. Yeah. It's going to be big, inevitably. I think, I think it's going to be, like, a... 
7 out of 10, and it's like could have been an 8 out of 10 if the Chris Pratt voice is better. I think it's going to be like a, a 3 out of 10, <laughs> but it's going to instantly hit meme, the meme world. What was that movie, the Emoji yeah. movie? I mean, it's people are like already memeing on the fact that Mario has no ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like, the animation style, like, actually just kind of looks strange, too. Like, I don't understand why they didn't take, like, an original take on it. Really? I like, think it, it looks, looks clean. I think it looks really good. It looks good, but, like, I, like it's like they just took the most, like, mainstream Hollywood uh, way I, you can go. Does, I like, what's original about it? It's just, like... It's just, like, smooth. It it looks like the Mario world, though. It doesn't look like the Mario world to me. The colors are... The poster, at least, I think, very much. That's kind of, like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's Mario. Like, just the way it looked to my eye. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that looks like it. Maybe maybe the mushroom stuff at the end was a little off, but, like, (laughs) the... The whole Bowser versus the penguins shit. That yeah, that everything there good. looks. I like, like the Bowser penguin part of the trailer a lot better than the second half. Yeah. yeah, and then did you see the stinger at the end with Luigi? Like yeah. all the Luigi haunted mansion stuff. That looks like Mario to me. Okay, that's true. I don't know. We'll I th- see. I think visually it looks really good. I'll withhold judgment. I'm just happy Andor redeemed the like franchise franchise verse style anything for me right now. Yeah, that gave me a lot of hope for you know, also like good content. Uh, on a, you could also spin this the other way though and say Tony Gilroy, one of our greatest screenwriters, has spent the last six years making Rogue One and then this. And has okay, like, I would say Rogue One <laughs> is, like, is a phenomenal. It's movie, like, though. but do we want yeah, our that's great? The thing Rogue One was so much. No, like, I see what you're saying though. But do we want our greatest artist? exclusively working in yeah, franchise. I, I thought the same thing when I saw Skarsgård on there. I was like, wow. Like, like someday it's just going to be all the Skarsgård brothers, like, screaming at each other, and they're all going to have, like, <laughs> flying powers or something. You know, like... Yeah. Inevitably, I don't know. And, like, I, I was thinking that, too. Like, do you see that thing that's, like, Christian Bale would, like, do anything to be in a Star Wars movie or something? Like, there was some yeah. quote in the interview, and it's like, like, if the best of the best are you know, just going to inevitably end up in a franchisee movie, you know? Yeah. What can we hope for? I mean, that that's the thing is I I said that kind of facetiously because I, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, this show is so good and that Tony Gilroy crafted it so carefully. Um, and that he made it's Rogue like, One. I don't have as much problem with franchise stuff if it's good. It's if it's rel- if it relies or on the if it's too much interconnectedness, then yeah. it can kind of be overwhelming. But yeah. the show is really good. And I think that for that we should all be happy it exists and it definitely like you know hopefully teaches some other studios and you know other areas within the the whole disney corp some valuable lessons on right how to make stuff because this this is the template you know um and i don't know what the streaming numbers are how successful it is on disney plus because you know they never really give us that kind of information not like not like you can know with the box office or nielsen ratings or whatever streaming is kind of like this abstract, yeah. like, Someday do, do people like it, it? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. More, please. I know they already renewed you know, it for season two, so. Yeah, maybe there is an element with the Star Wars. I mean, I think I think they desperately needed Andor after Obi-Wan. Like, I liked Obi-Wan. I say it's, I give it a passing grade. But, like, mm-hmm. it also just kind of fell flat, especially towards the end. And because it had that cgi like didn't feel lived in that sort of stuff like he did in the beginning when he was on the planet but then anything else after the first episode kind of just felt like like story fodder to progress this like 
idea that someone spouted in a in management yeah. office. That's something I had heard from like my friends and also just mindlessly scrolling through Twitter, which is my friends at least they were like, we don't really know why the show was made. Like it's great to see Ewan back again as mm-hmm. Obi Wan, but it was kind of just like so. It didn't really. Yes. Yeah. It didn't yeah. really feel like they had a story to tell. No, there was no story to tell. Yeah, it should have just been. A, they should have just come up with like something and made a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope uh, I'll we'll end it. Well, I guess. I guess the story to tell was that that's how Leia and Obi Wan met. You know, that's why he's yeah. their greatest hope. So I guess that makes sense. Like that isn't important. I mean, it's a part of the Star Wars universe that was never really talked about. But I feel like the execution was just a little flat. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. That kind of like falls into the same like Rogue. One, they make an entire movie out of Rogue One based off the one line of "We have the plans to Death Star." It's like do we really need? But Rogue Isn't One like that? Rogue the One best. was good though. Rogue One was good. Uh, I have you a lot of problems like Rogue, with Rogue One. Like what? What they do you mean? Won. Hold on. We can keep this going. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's like so much of Rogue One is just absolutely filled to the brim with like fan service, fan service, fan service, fan service. It is trying to tell a different type of Star Wars story without actually committing to that. Andor commits to that. Tony Gilroy also wrote Rogue One, um, also written by, or he directed a lot of it. And then mm-hmm. I think they fired him and hired Gareth Edwards. I don't remember. There was, he was involved with Rogue One in some way. I know also Chris White's wrote a lot of it. Do you know Chris White's mm-hmm. from like, he wrote like he wrote and directed American Pie. Oh yeah. About, oh yeah. About a boy, yeah, which is a really good movie. Um, yeah, Chris White's is really cool. Um, but also, I just found like the characters really flat, and I think they're make like, you know, Cassian Andor is already a way more interesting character based on seeing him in Andor than he yeah, was in Rogue that's One. True. Yeah. He and he, he was, was like annoying in Rogue One. He was the most interesting in Rogue One, and he was still kind of like, eh. Yeah. I just I I never really like I thought it looked great. But outside of that, it doesn't really work as a movie for me. Yeah, that's it's true. It's also very long. Like, it's longer than it needs to be. I like the soft, slow pacing of it. I think that part of the movie works Yeah, well. that's that's not bad. It's I got, think... It's got some positives. It was probably just because that... When did that come out? Because did that come out when the main movies were still coming out of, like, the new trilogy? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they would do it was after Force Awakens year. before Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, I think that was, like, for me... Maybe it did, I'll admit rose-colored glasses here, maybe, but I still enjoyed it. But maybe it was because coming out of that, I was kind of like... That's not what I've seen before. That's brand yeah. freaking new. Like, it yeah. did feel very fresh when I watched it. I liked it the first time, and it was the second time that I watched it where I started to sour on it. I think I've seen it maybe one more time since then, and I was like, yeah, this doesn't really work for me. Especially, like, you're everybody can scream at me if you want, but, like, the, the, the minute you do some ridiculous, like, fan servicey thing that just makes no sense like, like what? give me an example like well this is what you're gonna yell at me for okay. like the the last scene of darth vader you know wrecking oh, shit in the yeah. freaking hallway i'm just like the, you may as well play like the looney tunes track over this or like the <laughs> benny hill theme song like you didn't find that scene scary and redefining for the character but you don't you don't need you don't need that in the movie it just makes that makes darth vader less scary to me him murdering a bunch of dudes with like zero effort is not scary. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. Darth what about, Vader what about would the, never have to like, uh, do Darth that Darth Vader himself. palace in, in Rogue One. That was also like... You didn't find that character building and developing? No, not really. That he built I got, I got a temple all, to his own demise. I got all the there. Darth Vader I needed in episodes 4, 5, and 6 of the original trilogy and they never needed to bring the character into anything else ever again and he would have been perfect. You see, Darth Vader is my favorite character. In Star Wars. Okay. And I think the tragedy 
it translates into Rogue One. I think I like his, at least I can see what you're saying about the end scene of like the Looney Tunes track where he's killing those guys. Like that is just to, like, sort of that it's like bottom it, of the it gives me the, it, it gives me the same vibes as like Yoda doing a bunch of flippy jumps to fight Count Dooku in the prequels. Where I'm like, well, I like that too though. Oh my god! <laughs> where I'm just like. Yoda in Empire is this wise sage yeah. about how, like, it doesn't matter how good you are at physical combat or whatever. It's all about, like, your mind and overcoming your enemies with your mental abilities. And uh-huh. then it's like, so does Yoda do that in the prequels to Count Dooku? No, he just jumps around, does a bunch of flippy jumps off the thing. It's like, yeah. I, it, it feels incongruous. It just feels like out of a completely different franchise. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You don't well, have to. You don't, you, we can all watch the next episode. You don't have to agree with me tomorrow. emotionally. But I will still make my intellectual argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even even if uh, I I still like even though I think the prequels are bad movies, even I can admit that I have some nostalgia for them and their characters. But I don't know when I watch them nowadays, I'm just kind of like it glazes over a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're right. <laughs> I think that's a good. I think that's a good wrapping point. Wow, I really day, brought frankly. brought us out on a downer, yeah, huh? Go out on a downer. Yeah. You know. Mushroom World. Kingdom, here we come. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, that's, uh, that's somehow a worse downer than any No, I want to see Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong voice. That's what I want to see in the next trailer. They did show him in the trailer. They did not. Oh, yeah. that's going to be funny. That's perfect Easter eggs in the Mario Kart Oh, trailer. Steven, you'll find this funny. One of my favorite, my favorite podcasts, uh, Blank Check, they had this bit on one of their episodes where they said that there should be a Donkey Kong Country movie with uh, Russell Crowe as Donkey Kong and Zac Efron as Diddy Kong. And this was actually before that Greatest Beer Run movie uh, was even thought oh about being made. So they, they made that pairing early. Yeah. But um, they said there should be no CGI, no makeup, no costumes. It's just Russell Crowe naked wearing a big red tie. <laughs> he looks like Donkey Kong anyway, so you don't need to dress him up at all. Yeah, That would be honestly a brilliant movie. Well, that's kind of what I was expecting. Who would you cast as, as live-action Funky Kong? Keep in mind, no CGI. He just got to wear a tank top and pull it off. No, Dan DeVito is Cranky Kong. Yeah, you're right. Maybe like... uh, Charlie Day. Yeah, Charlie Day. He's in the Mario Kartiverse, though. Well, he's he's playing Luigi. Yeah, yeah. In in the new Mario movie. Anyways. That movie makes me depressed to talk about, frankly. We'll we'll fan cast our whole Donkey Kong Country. Oh, yeah, next next episode. episode, Donkey Kong Country, the episode. We'll we'll write a screenplay live on air for the Donkey Kong Country (laughs) movie, live action. Going to be better than the live action Lion King, that's for sure. Oh, God. All right, we'll see you guys next week. This podcast is hosted by Noah Trainer and Stephen Pastis, produced by Noah Trainer, created by Michael Sauls, intro music by Stephen Pastis and Bryson Carroll. Thank you, guys. Bye. See you all.